0: Chapter twelve of the Red Cross Girls with Pershing to Victory by Margaret Vandercook. This Libervox recording is in the public domain New Year's Eve in Koblenz There was no great difficulty in establishing the American Red Cross Hospital at Koblenz. doctor Clark had a large and efficient staff who were accustomed to working with him and naturally the demands were not so severe as in time of war indeed dr clark had no idea of asking the same degree of energy and devotion which the last six months of fighting had required of every human being in any way engaged in the great struggle in europe a reasonable amount of work and of discipline was as necessary for the hospital staff as for the soldiers and officers of the american army of occupation engaged in their new duty of policing the rhine yet whenever it was possible opportunity was given for freedom and pleasure there were but few of the expected difficulties between the americans and the germans which the people of both nations had feared a certain friction of course and suspicion and gossip about secret plots but no open quarreling or dissension the new red cross hospital occupied an old castle which had formerly been used as a german hospital although the last german wounded had been removed before the arrival of the american army the castle itself stood on a hill with a drop of a hundred feet to the bank of the rhine a path led down the hill to the river's edge Crowning the summit were two old Roman towers which commanded a wonderful view. Through the windows one could see many miles up and down the historic stream, and on either side other castles famous in ancient legends long before the foundation of the modern German Empire. Within view of the American Red Cross Hospital was the famous German fortress of Ehrenbreitstein, across the river from Koblenz the fortress was set on a rocky promontory four hundred feet above the river and surrounded by a hundred acres of land from its flagstaff where for a hundred years the german standard had waved now floated the stars and stripes on new year's day at about four o'clock in the afternoon sonia clark stood waiting just outside the hospital for the appearance of her husband it had become their custom for the past two weeks whenever there was no real reason to prevent to take a walk every afternoon at about the same hour however on this occasion sonya and dr clark had a definite destination a new year's eve entertainment for the amusement of the soldiers was to take place at the red cross headquarters about a mile from the hospital and both sonya and her husband had promised to be present as a matter of fact, as many of their Red Cross nurses as Miss Blackstone had been able to release from their duties had been spending the afternoon at the headquarters and an equal number of the hospital staff of physicians and orderlies. A light snow was falling when Sonya and Dr. Clark set out. The courtyard in front of their hospital sloped gradually to the road so that the steep incline was only in the rear to her husband at least sonya looked very young and handsome in her long fur coat and hat which had been one of his gifts since reaching europe their walk was to lead through a number of quiet streets and then along one of the main thoroughfares of the german city at first sonya and dr clark spoke of nothing of any importance and then finally walked on for several moments in silence at the end of this time sonya glanced toward her husband and smiled what is it you wish to talk to me about she inquired i don't know why but i always seem able to feel a something in the atmosphere when you have a problem on your mind which you can't quite decide to discuss with me dr clark laughed well you see sonya when i married you i was under the impression that you were unsuited to red cross work and that so far as possible since you would insist upon working with me you must be saved from as many difficulties as possible at present although i have not yet quite reached the state of advising with you upon my professional responsibilities when my problems are human you are the only person to whom i can turn miss blackstone is an admirable superintendent of a hospital along the same lines that i have been a fairly successful physician and surgeon but when we have to deal with personal equations we are both hopelessly unfit and all this long speech, which may or may not be complimentary, leads up to just what human equation at present? Sonya queried. Can't you guess and tell me first, Sonya? Dr. Clark demanded. I always feel so much better satisfied if you have noticed certain situations yourself before I speak to you of them. Then I am convinced that I have not made a mistake in my own sometimes faulty observations i suppose at this instant you are considering the problem of hugh raymond and theo thompson aren't you if problem there is in which any outside human being has a right to interfere no don't interrupt me until i finish sonya protested i realize that you are very seriously opposed to the least personal relation existing between any of your red cross nurses and physicians and so far we have been remarkably successful But it has been more luck, I think, than my distinguished husband's objection to the possibility. One can't arrange, when young persons are more or less intimately associated with each other and living under the same roof, that they always maintain a friendly and yet highly impersonal attitude. Of course, I also understand that you have great hopes for Hugh Raymond's future and that as he is extremely poor, you would dislike to see him marry a poor girl before his position is more assured. I also understand that neither you nor I especially like Thea Thompson. She has rather a curious history and is not herself an ordinary person. One thing I have noticed. At the beginning of their acquaintance, it was Thea who made an effort to interest Hugh. Since then, I don't think she has been particularly interested in him. The interest has been on his side. It is to me rather unfortunate because Ruth Carroll might have liked Hugh. And, oh well i must not speak of this all i wished to say was that whatever our personal feeling in the matter it will be wiser my dear husband for you to say nothing to hugh at present and for me to say nothing to thea which is what you rather had in mind to suggest moreover nothing has so far developed between them for which you need have cause to worry Thea told me the other day that she was happy here in Koblenz because she has been able to have a relief from the constant stream of the hospital work, which she confesses was becoming a little hard to endure, by dancing with the soldiers at the Red Cross headquarters in her free hours. She has been helping one of the Red Cross managers, a Mrs. Adams, to teach some of the soldiers folk dancing. I believe she has a gift for it, and the soldiers are getting a good deal of amusement out of their own efforts to learn. A good thing for all of them. We must remember our years and realize that young people need all kinds of relaxation. Thanks, Sonya, for including me along with your youthful self, even if we are in a class apart, Dr. Clark returned. I wonder if you will be as severe with me concerning my other complaint. As a matter of fact, I am ashamed of this myself and do not honestly consider it gravely. But you know we are in a curious position here in Koblenz on the outside apparently everything is going well as comfortable a relation as one could expect has been established between our former enemy and ourselves yet Koblenz is full of rumors there is a very strong pro-kaiser element in the city which means there is a party deeply in opposition to all american thought and feeling and to the establishment of any new form of government in germany which shall not include the kaiser the point of all this is that I insist there be no display even of conventional friendliness between any member of our Red Cross unit and a single German resident of Koblenz. The information has been brought to me that Nora Jamieson, one of our own nurses, has been making friends with a group of German children. They meet her and the little French girl Louisa in one of the city parks every afternoon, and there they play together, Of course, this appears innocent, but knowing the children in a too friendly fashion may mean knowing their families later. The army officers tell me there has been this same problem among our soldiers. No one seems to have been able to prevent their getting on intimate terms with every little Hans and Gretel who make their acquaintance. But I do wish you would protest mildly to Miss Jameson. It is true that we know little of her history, except that her credentials must have been satisfactory to the Red Cross. I confess I agreed to have her form a part of our Red Cross unit rather on an impulse when I learned Barbara Thornton was forced to return home. Besides, Miss Jamison herself attracted me. She has some unusual characteristic which I cannot exactly explain, but which nevertheless... Ah, well, you need not try to explain it, David, because the thing is charm, which I believe no one has successfully explained so far, Sonya answered. I presume this same charm is what endears her to the German children. It has kept the little French Louisa close beside her since we left France. The little girl is getting all right, too, talking and behaving like a normal person. But, of course, I'll ask Miss Jamison to be careful that her friendship with the German children does not lead to any intimacy in their homes. She told me that she was the kind of Pied Piper of Hamlin. Do you remember how the Pied Piper led the German children away into some undiscovered country when their parents refused to pay him his just dues? But I think the girl is Peter Pan instead, and has some childish quality which we cannot understand, but which children recognize and love in her. You see, the young soldier to whom she was engaged was killed in the fighting near Chateau Thierry, and apparently children are her one consolation. She is friendly with all our Red Cross unit, but not intimate with one of us when Sonya and her husband finally reached the red cross headquarters already the large building was lighted as the darkness fell early in the winter afternoons going unannounced into the big reception room they found it fairly crowded the room must have been fifty feet in length and nearly equally wide and extended from the front of the building to the rear in one end was a giant christmas tree left over from the christmas celebration for the soldiers which in honor of new year's eve was again lighted with a hundred white candles, according to a German custom. There were few other lights in the room. Up against the walls were double rows of chairs in which a number of persons were seated. Others were dancing in the center of the floor. Immediately, Mrs. Arthur Adams, who was in charge of the Red Cross headquarters, came forward to speak to Dr. and Mrs. Clark. She was accompanied by Major James Hersey, who had entirely recovered from his attack of influenza and was now in command of his battalion in Koblenz. A little later, after they had secured chairs, Bianca Zoli and Dr. Raymond joined them. Nona Davis was dancing with Sergeant Donald Hackett, Thea Thompson with Carlo Navara. Sonia noticed no one else at the moment whom she knew particularly well. Yes, their standing up against the wall was Nora Jamison with the little French girl's hand in hers and a line of children on either side. Nona Davis' changing partners, Sergeant Donald Hackett, went over evidently to ask Nora Jamison to dance with him. But she must have declined as he continued standing beside her, laughing and talking. Have you been dancing, Bianca? Sonya inquired. You usually enjoy it so much. Leaning over, Bianca whispered, Please don't discuss the question aloud, Sonya no one has asked me recently only major hersey and dr raymond earlier in the afternoon dr raymond dances abominably not carlo Sonia demanded and bianca shook her head something of their whispered conversation hugh raymond must have guessed we are not to have any more of the ordinary dancing just at present mrs clark miss thompson and carlo navarra are to do a folk dance together just as he was speaking, suddenly the music ceased and the dancers crowded into places along the wall. A few moments later, standing in the center of the floor and alone, were Thea Thompson and Carlo Navara. This afternoon, Thea did not look plain. She had on a simple black dress of some thin material, a bright sash and black slippers and stockings. Her red hair formed a brilliant spot of color. Carlo was in uniform. Their dance was probably an Irish folk dance, although it was comparatively simple yet the effect was charming sonya believed she had never seen two more graceful persons than thea and carlo as they advanced toward each other and receded later forming an arch with their hands above their heads and circling slowly in and out sonya had known nothing of carlo as more than an ordinary dancer but evidently he and thea must have been practicing together for the afternoon's entertainment Naturally, Carlo's musical gifts would make him a more successful dancer than anyone without a sense of rhythm and time. In any case, the effect was charming and the applause at the close enthusiastic. As soon as the dance was ended, Carlo came directly over to where Sonia and her husband were seated. Bianca and Dr. Raymond were standing close beside them. Carlo, you have not asked Bianca to dance. You won't forget, will you? Sonia murmured as soon as she had the opportunity without being overheard. I am afraid you have heard her, but please don't let her guess I have spoken to you. Carlo flushed slightly. I am sorry, my dear lady, he returned, which had been one of his old-time titles for Sonia. I am afraid I have neglected Bianca. Miss Thompson is such a wonderful dancer, she is apt to make one forget any other partner. But although Sonia smiled upon Carlo and forgave him, declining the honor of dancing herself, Bianca was not to be appeased. I suppose Sonia asked you to invite me to dance, since you waited until she arrived before you thought of me. Thank you just the same, but I'd rather not, Bianca said later in answer to his invitation. Afterwards, although Carlo pleaded for her favor and returned several times with a fresh request, nevertheless, Bianca continued firm. Then, a few moments before going back to the hospital with Sonia and Dr. Clark, she waltzed for a short time with Dr. Raymond in spite of the fact that she had been right in declaring that he was a conspicuously poor dancer. End of chapter 12 Recording by Debbie Baker Robinson